Welcome once again to another episode of the Traveling Hooper Podcast. I am uh, your fill-in host once again, uh, Calvin McGowan. And with me today is uh, Philip Dixon. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Well, what's going on? What's going on? My name is Philip Dixon, a.k.a. Uh, the Streaming Service Guru. Um, and, you know, just here to talk about uh, a very light basketball uh, world at the moment. But, you know... We'll get in depth on some of these subjects. All right. Um, and of course, much like the last episode, where it was just the two of us, this will be kind of short. In part because there's, like you said, there's not a whole lot going on at the moment. Um, but to start with, uh, let's, why don't we go ahead and get into the NBA Finals so far? Um, and I would just like to start by saying, after the last episode. I think the Bucks lost the game right after that, or I mm-hmm. thought they would or something. And I thought you jinxed them, but no. I did, too. Uh, like a lot of you, I'm be perfectly honest, I did, too. They lost, and I looked at myself and said, ooh, I really hope I didn't just do what I think I just did. But it doesn't matter because it is the Phoenix Suns versus the Milwaukee Bucks, and that's what we wanted, and that's what we're getting. When it comes to this finals... The first thing I would like to say is, so we're recording this, and there's only been three games. Bucks have won one, uh, the most previous one, and the Phoenix Suns have won two. If the Bucks win the next one, they win the entire thing. That is my prediction. Um, it may go back and forth for a quick second, and all of a sudden there'll be a game seven. But all they need to do is have, literally, all they need to do is Giannis do Giannis things, Chris Middleton be an above-average score, 20 points. If you got more than that, that'd be fantastic, but 20 to 30 points. Um, And then Drew Holiday not be bad. If they do that, they will win. Um, because yesterday they had, they played perfectly and, uh, the third game they played perfectly and they blew them out. Each, every game was too close for what it should have been. The other two games where Phoenix won because they, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, their second and third best players played atrociously. And somehow it was still like. Too close for comfort for them. And all of a sudden, Drew Holiday plays fine. And then Chris Milton does what he's been doing the entire playoffs in the last couple of years, honestly. And they blow them out. If they win the next game, the Bucks will win the entire thing. I think I still think the Bucks win the entire thing. Um, I was really hesitant. Uh, uh, you know, I was really not sure about my choices uh, two days ago. But at this moment, I still think, you know, the Bucks have the best chances of winning the NBA Finals this year. I'm a little more hesitant on that, and for no other reason than, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Phoenix... You know what? Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Phoenix has home court advantage. They do. Right. And so, like... Truth of it is that, like, at some point, 
the Bucks are going to have to win in Phoenix. Yeah. So and I'm and to this point I am I'm less conv- I'm not entirely convinced they can. I'm not saying that they can't, but like of course we saw their first two games in Phoenix that went poorly. Um, to be polite about it, but in so it's like at some point they're gonna have to have a good game. But I'd say home. But I'd say their games went less poorly than Phoenix did in in Milwaukee. Now we'll have to see about this fourth game, but just from looking at this this third game, you'd rather have lost the way the Bucks did than the um, than the Phoenix Suns did the the third game. Because like once again, I'll, I'll I'll say it the. Bucks were in the game for most of the game. Uh, the Phoenix Suns were rarely in that game. And then when they weren't in the game, they really weren't in that game. Like, blowout central. So, you know, uh, unless Devin Booker goes off, or unless Chris Paul goes off, uh, I don't know. But once again... The Milwaukee Bucks have no slouches on defense. I was telling Alan this last time the halftime show and um, on Instagram Live. The Bucks are big. So even their small guys are big. That's like big in terms of like sturdiness, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no Cameron Payne on the Bucks side. Their backup point guard, Jeff T, is still a sturdy guy. You know what I mean? Um you look at a lot of, but once again, they're also older and more physically mature, being the Bucks, than the uh, the Phoenix Suns. But it, at the end of the day, that's still a reality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I trust the defense of Milwaukee wearing them down over a seven-game series than I do the Phoenix Suns. And it's funny. The second game, everybody talked about that ten pass play. I'm not sure if you saw it or not. I saw that the Bucks played amazing defense, but like the they weren't able to get the ball away from Phoenix and it was like, an eight and dunk. There was just like some deflections and like some things that went this that just happened to go the Phoenix Suns way mm-hmm. on my possession. Seven times out of ten, the Bucks win that possession. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Just like, but like that one possession just happened to be that one that happened to go their way that one day. That won't happen through a seven game series once you start getting that wear and tear and getting worn down because the same defenders are starting to get you know the the, the fix on you. And we're not talking about we're talking about Drew Holiday, arguably the best guard defender in the NBA. We're not talking about slouches and Giannis, who you got to look off on help defense the entire time. And Brooke Lopez, who's just a body there. So, like, a big body. So, like, these kind of individuals who they just have that you just fill the court up are just inherently going to wear you down quicker than the other side would. So, uh, you know, not everybody can be Chris Paul. Not everybody can be Devin Booker. But you're, but these other young guys, they're going to be their role player young guys eventually. You know, Bridges had a fantastic game, uh, game team, too. But he had a atrocious game three. Why? Because when teams adjust defensively to players, 
role players look like role players. And superstars adjust to look like superstars. That's what makes them superstars. They're able to adjust to the defense's adjustments. The Milwaukee Bucks have more people who can make those adjustments than the Phoenix Suns, uh, being Mil- being Drew Holiday, being Giannis, being Chris Milton, and honestly, being Brooke Lopez, because he can step. He's been stepping on the three. But also, he's been finishing in the paint more in the last two series than I've seen him in two years. You know what I mean? Uh, since since the Brooklyn Nets days. But everybody forgets that he's nice. <laughs> like, he's nice around the realm. At one point, before, you know, when it was just, like, him and Dwight, they were arguing that either him or Dwight or, uh, or I'm losing my train of thought. He played for the Lakers. Bynum. Uh, Bynum. There were arguments of who's the best lit center in the NBA. And Brooke Lopez was up there. So, mm-hmm. like, people forget about that, right? Um, he just happens to be a knockdown three-point shooter now for, you know, all the practice that he put in. Um, but in the day, still big body. So I'm pretty confident in what, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks bring to the tail right now, uh, even though they're down 2-1 in concern to uh, the Phoenix Suns. Like, dang it, what was the thing I was thinking about? The that's That's actually a pretty solid argument, but it's also just an issue that, in fairness, maybe it's, I'm assuming it's an issue they didn't have last game that they had the first two was like, the issue for the Bucks was that, like you said, folks played poorly. Like, the Bucks were, I think in, I think it was game two I saw, the Bucks were like plus five with Giannis on the floor, mm. but like plus, but negative 20 when he was off. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And... Like, no matter how good Giannis is, that's not a recipe for success. So, I guess it's less of whether or not his team can play up to the level that he needs them to play at, but whether or not they will for the series, which, to this point, is more of an open question than I'm sure any of them would like it to be, at least from the outside looking in. Yeah, Um, it's, um, it's... So, I'll take it to this. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are skill players. And with their skill, if you get nervous or you have some kind of uneasiness about you, you know, it's the NBA Finals for the first time in a franchise's, like, what was it, the first time in like 50 something years, something like that? Since the big Order. Bucks? Yeah, close like to. 50 something right years. Yeah. And, you know, Luau Cinder, who wasn't cream yet, he was Luau Cinder, was their Cinder last time they went. And, you know, that's pressure, right? What was there? Outside the stadium uh, at their first home game, it was 25,000 people outside the stadium, not, not even inside. So that's that kind of pressure that, you know, most people won't feel, right? And, you know, when you're just a skilled player, sometimes you will have, like, an off night, uh, you know, depending on how you feel nervous-wise and, you know, emotional-wise and spiritually, whatever terminology you want to use. But Giannis's skill set, which is pure length, pure athleticism, pure hustle, that doesn't necessarily translate. Being nervous, that doesn't have necessarily as much of an effect on that skill set than it does a person who's like 
two dribble pull up or, you know, uh, who is great on cone drills when they practice. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that skill set, if you're nervous, it's going to affect that skill set much more than what Giannis brings to the table. And Chris Middleton, before the last two or before the two games, uh, game one and game two, not game three, looked like a guy who was just like nervous. Like he was missing shots like he normally made. Drew Holiday, the exact same thing, right? Uh, they're missing e- easy shots that they normally make, especially Chris Middleton, because he was going off. Like he was going off for many, many, many um, uh, games and many, many series before this. Uh, but now I think he might have found his groove. Because it wasn't that they were pushing him off of certain shots that he wasn't making. He just wasn't making shots that he normally made. And I think that like, going to the finals could affect that. We've seen it every year, especially when it's your first time. You know, not, not everybody's going six times like LeBron and six times like Jordan. And, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. Um, but once again, if you're just running and jumping and hustling, you, you, you can rush your nerves out of that, which is, which is essentially what Giannis does. You know what I mean? Um, and even Giannis, when it comes to skills, he's missing he's airballing free throws. So, like, even he's feeling feeling the the nerves or the pressure or whatever terminology you want to use. Even he's feeling it because you see it when he has to do a skill type of candle on the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but running and jumping and doing those kind of things isn't Chris Middleton's game. It's, it's more Drew Holiday's game, but Drew Holiday has to have more of a skill to his game, too, because he's only 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, so, you know, it's uh, – so that's that's what I've been seeing. But they seem to be more comfortable. Um, this third game, they seem to be more comfortable this third game. And I – then that's an awful thing for the Phoenix Suns. Because, once again, if they weren't comfortable and the games were still close, we saw them be comfortable one game, and it was a blowout. So, you know, if Chris Paul wants that ring – they cannot have that be a thing again. But also, didn't the Suns play poorly? Like, if memories, like, in fairness, I had caught, like, the, the second half. I didn't watch any of the first half, but, like, the Devin Suns Booker played, played uh, very well. Devin, Devin Booker played essentially the same he played the game before. Chris Paul made some turnovers, but once again, I... They played good defense. Like, <laughs> there's a reason why they're, like, number one in defense in the league this year. Like, they played good defense, and they're leaning on them. Like, you can just tell. Aiden's the only one who's out there, and at least, you know, can handle that physically from them leaning on them, right? Like, mm-hmm. physically, just he's like a monster, a man. But, like, everybody else, it's going to wear on them. And they just also play really good, smart defense. I don't think their coach gets enough credit for the – uh Defensive changes per game. Uh, people try to say he doesn't do enough, and I, and I saw this narrative out there that if the Bucks lose, he might get fired. And I'm just like, that's ridiculous because you you if you know basketball, you see the adjustments every game. It's obvious it's obvious what the adjustments are, but you have to be able to watch the game and know and be able to see what these adjustments are, right? So the easiest one for me to point out real quick was game one. They set screens, and at the end of the day, they, like, let Brooke Lopez and Giannis uh, pretty much get ISO'd by Chris Paul 
or uh, Devin Booker on that game one, and it didn't work out for that game one. Game two, you don't see that happening. Game three, you don't see that happening. Drew Holiday is fighting over every screen or going through every screen. Uh, and then uh, it's the hedge uh, by Brooke Lopez or Giannis and then get back. That's one adjustment that was obviously made, but somebody trying to but there's a narrative out there that they're not making adjustments. And it's kind of ridiculous because this is the NBA. You're not a coach in the NBA if you're not making adjustments game to game. In-game adjustments, that's different. Game to game adjustments, you got to make those adjustments because that's, that's literally what film is. So, real quick, I kind of like to push back on the whole Booker play just as well thing. And this is just comparing games two and three. Like, game two, right? Booker put up 31 points, shooting 12 of 25 and 7 of 12 from D. Uh, All right. Game three, Booker went three of 14 and one of seven for deep for a grand total of 10 points. I okay, so I might have heard that he played the essentially the same first half, not the whole game. Okay. But also, he was out the game in weird times. Like they took him out, they, they took him out at the very end. But also, it was a blowout too. You know what I mean? So I'm not quite sure. You know, but once again, in game two, Bridges went off. Bridges went off. In game three, they shut him down. In game two. Uh, Joe Cowder, he didn't do nothing. In game three, he went off, but they still got a blowout. You know what I mean? So it's very interesting to watch. Um, these these finals go either way, but I'm still down for the ball. Like it's it's about to be an interesting series of nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on. Right, because you also want to talk about Team USA. USA, I'm joking. Yeah, um, talk about Team USA and how they just lost to uh, Nigeria's national team. Uh, Calvin, real quick, I want you to look up how many threes Nigeria's national team, Nigeria's national team, uh, made during. Oh, this. I got the bo- like I pulled up the box score. Say, yeah. say the number. How many threes their team made? Hmm. Oh, they made 23s of 42 attempts. <laughs> okay, that's nice. obscene. Like, all credit to them, that's obscene. Um, first of all, I want to start with this. Ike, he was a small forward, shooting guard, small forward for the team. Uh, Ike Nume. Um, starting, start, starting lineup. Starting lineup, what? Yeah, I know. No, listen. First of all, Nwame. Namu, I think. Namu, whatever. I just know how to spell it. I never know how to pronounce it. He, when I was in high school, he had one of the greatest hoop mixtapes of all time. Now he's like G League bound essentially, but when I was in high school, he graduated two thousand and eleven. Yeah, he graduated 2011 from prep school because he went to prep school with this guy with, with Quincy Miller. Uh, everybody knows him for getting dropped, uh, ankle broke when, when he played for the Denver Nuggets, and he went to Baylor. And also uh, Deuce Bellow, who went to uh, Baylor and then transferred to the University of Missouri uh, for college basketball. That team was stacked, just pure athleticism. 
If you want to go watch a crazy hoop mixtape from like 2011, go watch this man's hoop mixtape. Because I, wa- I was watching, the, I was watching, I was like, wait, is that? No. Then he went up and got a dunk on it in the game, and I was like, ooh, yeah, this has him. His head's still at the rim. He's like 28, something like that. Head's still at the rim. Um, so, there's two things. I'm going to talk about the game first. So, first of all, people got to realize that in the finals, there are three players playing that aren't able to play right now for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton, who's going to be playing a lot. Devin Booker, who's going to be playing a lot. And Chris Paul, who's going to be playing a lot. So, one, people got to realize that. Because people like Draymond were playing. And if I remember correctly... The last time Draymond was on a, when it was on a world uh, was it like a World Cup team, he got no playing time. Like when the games actually mattered, that counted, he got no playing time. Um, but you know, when you got cross like Chris Middleton, you can't have a guy in this. Look, you can't have a guy out there who can't shoot a three pointer in Europe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Playing against Europeans, playing against people where the three ball really matters. You you can't have people who are offensive liabilities and Draymond Green can't shoot a three pointer. So. Point blank period, but he played a good amount of minutes this game. Um, so that's like a one adjustment's gonna be off. Also, it's Devin Booker. Your world basketball is catered to his playing style. Uh, Chris Middleton, same thing, these skill players, right? And then Chris Paul is just a game manager, so like he's a game manager, game leader, so like he'll like get the troops ready when the troops need to be ready, and you know, uh, you know, uh, Get, get people in the right state of mind, the right state of mind. Everything a group, anything a team leader needs to be, that, that is what Chris Paul uh, is and will be for them. But also, you can't, it's 23s. Like, My, it's 23s. Gabe Vincent went 6 of 9 and 6 of 8 from deep for 21 points. I just, That's crazy. Throw that out like, there. <laughs> like, they, like, it's 23s. No matter who you are, it's going to be hard to stop 23s. Now, they only... This team won 23s, but only lost by three points. Or but only won by three points, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ridiculous in its own right. The fact that it's that close when a team makes 23s is ridiculous in its own right. Um, but so, I'm looking at it now. Team USA got to the free throw line a lot more. They did because they, they were a lot more physical. You know what I mean? Like, like, they were a lot more physical, got three points a lot more. You got, we got people like Bam Adebayo, and you got Kevin Durant, uh, you know, you got what? these individuals, you're going to get to the rim more. You know what I mean? Uh, because we have people that can get to the rim more. Like, uh, it's, well, I mean, like, for example, when I say this, when I say a lot, like, I need you So, Nigeria took 10 free throws. Uh-huh. Team USA took 32. Yeah. 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 No, no, that is a stark difference. <laughs> a yes. stark difference. But... But how many free throws did they make out of how many attempts? What, uh, Team USA? Yeah. They hit 25 of the 32. They made 25? Yeah. Out of, out of 30, 32? Mm-hmm. Which is good. Which is very, yeah, very good. Like, yeah. yeah. That's, 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 you know, that's very good, especially for that bulk mass of, uh, of uh, free throw attempts. Um, but, once again, it's 23s. Uh, it's the first game. They should have been probably playing a bit harder, but also I think people have to just come to realization that overseas basketball 
is just getting better. You know, people, for some reason, still want to treat... Okay, this is going to my second point, actually. Mm-hmm. Talk about the Stephen A. Smith. Debacle. People, for some reason, especially people that remember the Dream Team, remember all that, want to still think that the overseas ba- overseas basketball is garbage in comparison to United States yeah. basketball. When that's not true. Arguably, Canada... No, can, not even arguably. Canada's nice. Canada's didn't got they a just, nice didn't they lose? They lost, but when they're... But they had a, people, a lot of people injured. Remember that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people injured. Australia's also nice. Ben Simmons isn't even playing with them this year. And they got Patty Mills out there just killing, right? The world basketball is nice. These these overseas players are getting better and better and better. There isn't only a coup coach out there. You know what I mean? Like each team has somebody who can bring something to the table in a, almost a super a superstar way. It's kind of crazy. And then the ones that don't have superstar ways, they're not starting basketball at eighteen no more. They're starting basketball younger and younger and younger, just like people are here in the United States. Um, you have all these camps and all these schools that are playing all these different sports and all these, you know, you know, club teams and all kind of stuff all over all over the world. So people in the United States gotta stop thinking of themselves as like some global, global dominance of sports and basketball. Like this is nineteen ninety four still. Um And one of the people that has to do that is Stephen A. Smith, right? Stephen A. Smith, and, that's, and he, Stephen A. Smith, is the attitude of the person I'm talking about, but also the attitude of, like, the American basketball media, right? And I have big issues with them for a multitude of reasons. But if you didn't hear about it today, um, this is, what's, what's the date, the 14th? The 12th. 12th, okay. Um, Stephen A. Smith went on first take and was just saying some ridiculous things about how you know, the USA USA basketball team shouldn't have lost to Nigeria, and was like fumbling and like all nonchalantly like like disregarding the names of the Nigerian players, even though he shouldn't do that because he's an African American man, uh, he's a professional, he is a basketball, a number one basketball anal- uh, analysis, like like he does basketball analysis over everything else. This is his number one sport, the sport he came up on in Philadelphia. So. Basketball number one, African American man number two, and this is just his profession number three. So you shouldn't disre- disregard a team that beat your national team. Um, so relax, but also like that's a mindset of a lot of people that falls into that mindset of USA over everything else in terms of sports, um, and not necessarily just USA over everything, but USA dominance over everything specifically. And it's just a mindset that people are going to have to start breaking because it's a mindset that's like going to become more and more ridiculous the further into the future we go because yes basketball started in the united states but also basketball is a global sport now like basketball is a global sport you can't be upset that there was no dominance by usa anymore when you have kids growing up and who are being who are, who are born in 2000 who only know basketball because they had the internet and they had global television and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So like it's a different a difference in mindset that has to, that has to be broken from not just the common man, but for these sports analysts because they have influence and their influence does matter to you know the the common typical person who wakes up and just puts on ESPN before they go to work every morning. 
Phew. Uh, I'm not about to disagree with anything you said other than, like, I would like to throw in there, though, that, like, even Team Nigeria has a bunch of NBA players, granted, even with a lot of the, not just Nigeria, but a lot of national teams have NBA players, even if, like, due to, like, rotation players, or, like, don't see playing time like that. Um, but dudes are kind of different players on that, on their national team. People really do be playing out of pocket on their national team. But also, like, because you have people like, uh, okay, so you have people like Luca who said that they care more about a gold medal than they do an NBA Finals game. Because the mindset in the United States is different. Because when you're so dominant over something, then you just disregard it a lot of times. Like, that doesn't even go for sports. It goes for anything anybody does in life, right? It's like a, a mentality kind of thing. Oh, we've killed it so many years. Even though in 2000 we didn't. But we've killed it for so many years. But we did in 2000, but you never hear about 2000. So, whatever, right? Complacency. Complacency is definitely the word for it. And you have these other players in other countries who are like, oh, this means, like, this, I'm representing my country. This is the most... No, uh, incredible moment of my life being selected to our national team, and so they go in, they go off, and all these teams, all these players aren't on the finals teams, so they're rested up too. So they're rested up, but like not a lot, not like preseason, not preseason rest, not preseason rested up, where like you've had too much rest over mm-hmm. like the off season, so like you're rusty, but like. They have been playing for a long time, but now they got like some weeks off. So now they're just ready to go in. And it's just like, oh, their skills are still there. They're not rusty. And, you know, Hattie Mills showcases this every single year. <laughs> every single time. He's a national team. Uh, he just, oh, I'm going to go in, destroy everybody, and then, you know, play for the Spurs. <laughs> you know? Uh, in the last couple of years, he hasn't been making any, going deep into the playoffs. So he's been, he's just been really just killing it on national teams. Um, but is is there anything else you want to throw in before we close this one out? Nothing. Alright. So, um, once again, this has been another episode of The Traveling Hooper. Uh, once again, uh, I am Calvin McGowan. Thank y'all for uh, sticking with us to the end. Of course, you can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're joining us on YouTube, you know, like, share, and subscribe, and leave something in the comments and you know phil take us out yep uh this is philip dixon aka BattleBot. um and uh you know uh like hobbin said subscribe down below um follow us on all social media uh look out for my new uh wrestling podcast that will be coming out uh starting next monday uh we record on monday or sunday so it'll be coming out on mondays on all your streaming platforms uh, podcast pat platforms, so on and so forth. Um, but yes, uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to us, and we are the Traveling Hoopers. <laughs>